Parshas Karach, we have famously the rebellion of Karach. When Karach stands up and he says publicly that he doesn't believe that Moshe Rabbeinu spoke in Hashem's name when he appointed Aaron as the Kohen Gadol, and he challenges Moshe. And the obvious question is, why was Karach so stupid? Why was Karach so stupid? Did he really believe, did he really think that he was on a level to challenge Moshe after all the Nisim Moshe had done, after it was so clear that Moshe was a Novi? And Chazal answered the question. Chazal speak about Karach's Nagir. Chazal speak about the fact Karach was jealous. And we understand that Midas can make a person act in an illogical fashion. It's Mavir Adam al Daito. It makes a person act not with his dice, not with the way he thinks. But I have another question. It wasn't just Korach. We understand Korach was jealous. We understand Korach felt he had been overlooked. But once again, it wasn't just Korach. Korach came with the following. Not a ragtag band of followers, unsuccessful people. But nothing better to do than provoke a fight. Korach came with 250 Rosh Sanhedrois. 250 leaders of a Sanhedrin. People of stature, people on a high level. The elite of Shevet Rubin. And let's ask the question. Why did they come? What did they think? Did they really believe that they were going to be chosen as Kohen and Gudalim over Aaron Akoin. And we can ask the question even more strongly than that. There were 250. And Moshe said, if you wanted to test your eligibility for being Kohenim, each one of you is invited to bring a pan of Keteris. And let Hashem choose who he wants to be the Kohen. But it's not just a choice that the best man wins. It's not just the option of whoever Hashem wants will be the coin. The danger is whoever's not chosen as a coin and brings Keteris is Chayiv Misa. And therefore Moshe tells them you want to take the chance but you're risking your life. What were they thinking? Even if they really believed that Moshe wasn't entitled to appoint Aaron as the coin Gadol. But there were 250 of them. Did each one think he was that more worthy than the other 249? That he was going to be the one who would be saved? And let's ask another question. Aaron Akoyen had been bringing the Kateris every day. This wasn't the beginning of Aaron's career as a Kohen Gadol. This was at least a year and maybe more into the Aaron's being the Kohen Gadol. He had been bringing the Kateris every day. Nothing had happened to him yet. So did anybody really think that Aaron was an imposter? That Aaron had gotten away with bringing the Keteris? Well, if a non-Kohen brings it, he's going to be high of Misa. As they themselves had seen happen to Nadav and Aviyu, who were Kohenim, but nevertheless weren't instructed to bring Keteris and they died on the spot. Isn't that the clearest proof that Aaron was a Kohen? That he brought Keteris every day without harm? So more than the question on Karach, I want to ask the question on Bnei Ruven. What were they thinking? What were they thinking? Why would they risk their lives?
for an extremely small chance a chance of 1 in 251 that they're going to survive the experiment before I come to an answer I want to share with you a story now I'm going to preface the story by saying that I understand that in areas of Hashkafa there could be different viewpoints I understand the different ways of looking at, at things I'm going to present one, one point of view maybe my own that doesn't mean that there aren't other valid understandable points of view as well which people who hold that way are welcome to explain and prove their opinion and therefore after that introduction I was going to say other many years ago I had the opportunity to learn in a small Khabura where one of the people there was somebody who was slated to become a Hasidish Rebbe he was the next in line so to speak and today he actually is a Rebbe and we used to have a number of arguments about the differences between let's say Hasidic and not Hasidic Hashkafa and one of the topics which came up was what's the difference between the way we relate to our Gedolim in the non-Hasidic world and the way Hasidim relate to the Rebbe's in the Hasidic world once again I'm expressing my opinion I'm willing to accept the other points of view as well but when we, well, this was a discussion so I told them what I think and I said there's a big difference yes Hasidim respect the Rebbe yes we respect our Rashi Yeshiva our Gedolim but there's a very big difference between the two and if I'm going to use my words to explain the difference I would say it like this you know we have two different titles how we refer to Hashem sometimes we refer to Hashem as Ovinu as a father and we refer to ourselves as sons to Hashem as a father and sometimes we refer to Hashem as Malkainu as a king and then we are referring to ourselves as subjects of the king as Avodim now a parent is responsible for their children just like a king is responsible for his subjects a child should do his father's bidding just as a servant is expected to do the king's commands what's the big difference between the relationship of a father to a son and the relationship of a king to a servant yes I know famously the difference between Ava and Yira that the relationship between a father and a son is more based on Ava and the relationship between a king and a servant is more based on Yira that's true that's true but I want to point out another difference too and that is the relationship between the father and the son is really a relationship where the father is preparing the son one day to take his place being as people don't live forever then the natural continuation of the father is the son the Gemara says this the father's foot so to speak is like his son who continues what he began in life and therefore if the father had a life mission if the father was involved in a certain project a certain aspect of Avodah Hashem a certain business even that's understood then one day he would want his sons to continue when he is no longer there his son should fill his, fill his shoes so to speak should continue in his role and therefore the relationship of a father of a son the son respects the father 
The son looks up to the father. But also in the sense of the son's trying to emulate the father. Whereas when it comes to a king and a servant, if the servant would entertain the notion one day I'm going to be king, that servant would probably be Chayev Misal's Merib B'Malchus. A servant of a king doesn't harbor thoughts of becoming the king, unless he's thinking of rebellion. The relationship between a king and a servant is the king will always be king, and the servant will always be servant. And therefore the way he relates to the king is the king's on a pedestal which he'll never reach. The king's in the place which he'll never become. That's the difference. There's a difference of respect trying to emulate, which is respect of a son to his father, or respect of distance which can never be bridged. The servant's not trying to become a king. Now, therefore, when we refer to HaKadosh Baruch HaZovino, there are certain ways we can try to be more like Hashem. We can learn from Him. We can be mystic to Him. In that sense, we say Hashem Zavino. But there are also those ways that we realize HaKadosh Baruch Hu is infinitely greater than us. We'll never ever, so to speak, come close to Hashem in those areas. And that was Hashem's Malkeinu. So after that introduction, when I was speaking to this Rebbe, I said to him, I think the difference between the respect of Hasidim for the Rebbe and the respect of non-Hasidim, let's say for Rogadol, is based on this difference. The average Hasid isn't planning to become a Rebbe. He wasn't born into the family, he doesn't have the Yichus, he's not the son of a Rebbe. And if that's the case, the respect of the Hasid to the Rebbe is most similar to of a servant to a king. The Rebbe's on a pedestal, the Rebbe's unreachable. And the Hasidim respect the Rebbe, but from a distance. Whereas, in the non-Hasidic world, of course we respect G'daylim, but it's respect in the sense that we want to learn from them how to become G'daylim ourselves. We want to learn from them how to emulate them. How to become a smidim like they must smidim. How to know Torah like they know Torah. How to work on ourselves like they worked on themselves. Respect. But respect which we try to emulate. More similar to the case of the father to the son. And now Rabbi Isai. If the description is accurate, these two kinds of relationship, so let's look then to the Torah to guide us. What should be the ideal relationship between Rebbe and Talmud? Is the relationship of a Rebbe to a Talmud a relationship of a father to a son or a relationship of a king to a servant? Should the Talmud's motivation to become like the Rebbe or should the Talmud's motivation to be so far from the Rebbe that I'll never become the Rebbe? And if that's why we're asking the question, then it's before in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, V'shinan tom levonecho You should teach your sons. It says Chazal Rashi brings it. And same thing the other way around. If the Talmudim are like sons, the Rebbe is like a father. In Rashi brings the Pasuk. But Elisha said when his teacher, Eliyahu, died, Ovi, Ovi. My father. Because Elisha came to replace Eliyahu. He became the Novi in his stead. 
And therefore we see that that the way that one's meant to relate to his teacher, to a Godel, to the previous star, is as a son to a father, to try and emulate them, to try and learn from them, to try and become more like them. This applies to Torah. This applies to Torah. What about by Avodah Hashem? Does the same thing apply or not? So we see that when it comes to Avodah, it's not like that. When it comes to Avodah, it's not that everybody who wants to can try and become an, uh, become a Kohen. Everybody who wants to can, so to speak, take on the crown of Kohuna. No. Here it's just like not everyone can become a Melech. That was something which was given specifically to the family of the Malchus, to Dovin and his descendants. Same thing the Kohuna was given specifically to Aaron. No one's able to become a Kohen. It's like a Malchus. It's unique only to the people Hashem chose. But I believe this was the mistake of Shevet Ruben. Shevet Ruben felt, if we, we show Hashem we really want to become Kohanim, if we show Hashem we want to be most nefesh to do Avodah, then we'll be given the chance to do Avodah. Just like Shevet Levi were given the position of through mysterious nefesh, whether it was standing up to everybody in the time of the eagle, whether it was withstanding the temptation to serve the eagle, Shevet Levi gained the position through mysterious nefesh. I believe Shevet Ruben felt that if we can show Hashem mysterious nefesh, we can show we really want to be Kohenim and we prepare to risk our lives to be Kohenim, HaKadosh Baruch will accept us too. Just like by Torah, the, the ideal is meant to be that we want to emulate the greatness in Torah. They felt that by Kohenim also. The way to become a Kohen is to emulate the Kohen. To show the same midas. And then they'll get there as well. And while the motivation may have been noble, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Because there's a difference between Torah and Mavod. The Mishnah talks about the three crowns. There's a crown of Kohen which is given to Aaron Abanov. It's a crown. It's a Malchus. It's not open to anybody else. The Kohen were in a separate category. There's the crown of Malchus, the crown of Jewish kingship, which is given to David and his sons. And it's not available to anybody else. But the crown of Torah is Munach B'Karen's office. The crown of Torah is, in the sense that everybody is a Ben Torah. Everybody is a son who wants to emulate the greatness of Torah, and that's available for everybody to take. When it comes to Torah, our relationship is with Avinu. When it comes to Avodah, our relationship is to Malkin. And we say this, we say this before every day in the Shmonesra. We say, Shivenu Avinu The connection to Torah is through Avinu. And then we're not limited. The more we want to come close to emulate the Gedolei Torah, the more we can. The crown of Torah is available. When it comes to Avoida, that's Malkin. When it comes to Avoida, it's Hashem instead of Malchus. There are people who roi for Avoida, and there are people who are not roi for Avoida. And no amount of wanting to emulate the Oiv De Hashem, the Kohenim, is going to bring a person to Kohenim. This was the mistake of Shevet Rubin. Their motivation was good. They weren't coming from a place of arguing with Moshe like Korach was. 
They really wanted to have the opportunity to do Avoda. But they thought that it's shaykh, it's something which is open. It's available for a person who, who shows Hashem enough that they want to do it. And that's what Hashem tells Aaron. It's a bris melach. It's a covenant forever that only Aaron is going to be the Kohen. And his descendants. It's not available for anyone else. Avoda is a malchus. But, even within the privileges of the Kohenim, there's two halakim. There's the avoid of the base of Mikdash. There's acting in the base of Mikdash. That's only for the Kohenim. Avoid us Hashem, in the sense of a person being miscarried to Hashem, not through the base of Mikdash, through his own deeds, through his own machshava, through his own learning, and through his own chesed, and through his own avoid us amidus. That's something which still is open to everybody. That's something which still a person can achieve based on how much he wants to try. The specific area of Avodah which is only for the Kohenim was Avodah the Besam Mikdash. But when it comes to the Avodah of Adam, that's something which, like Torah, is available for whoever wants to achieve. This is the Rambam. But the Rambam is talking about Shemitah V'yavil. And he's talking about the gifts given to the Kohenim. And he's the gifts given to the Levim. The Rambam finishes off famously, V'loy Shevet Levi Bilvad. Shevet Levi was chosen to separate themselves from having to involve themselves in the mundane, to involve themselves in physical labor, and to devote themselves to Avodah Hashem. That's not only Shevet Levi. And I'll call Ish for Ish. Every man that makes up his mind and takes a decision to separate himself from Havla Ela Mazer, Harezim is Kadish Kodesh Kodoshim. He'll become Kodesh Kodoshim, he'll be the Holy of Holies. And Hashem will look after him like he looked after the Levine. That Chedek of Avoid is still available. In that we can still say Avinu. We can emulate the Avoid of Hashem on the personal level of the Konim, and we can become Konim in that sense as well. If we get that level of Kedusha. That HaKadosh Baruch will take care of us like he took care of the Kohenim. It was only specifically the Avodah of the Beis Mikdash, which was given to Aaron Ubanov in the sense of Malkainu. In the sense of this is the day the only one's chosen, no one else can reach that. No one else can achieve that. And therefore to come back to the question we began with. Of course Shevet Ruvay knew that Aaron was the Kohen. They weren't trying to unseat him. They saw he had brought Kateris every day and nothing had happened to him. Korach was trying to unseat Aaron. That was a separate case. And Chazal asked him Korach, why did Korach think he could do that? And Chazal answered for Korach. It wasn't B'nai Rabin's Machshav. They, they weren't coming to each think I'm more worthy than Aaron or Korach. I'll go a stage further. They didn't even think they were more worthy than each other. They didn't think we're competing against each of us, competing against the other 249. And only one of us is going to live. Halakhically, we would probably be asked to take a risk with such staggering proportions of failure. What they thought was, we'll all be successful. We're showing mysterious nefesh. And we'll all be kind. And even though it was an area where it wasn't available to them, but the motivation was good. And that's why, as opposed to Korach was swallowed by the ground, no Reven went. And the pans that they had used to bring the terrorists were made into a covering for the Mizbech. 
maybe they weren't zeichet to do the avodas the mizbech, but they were zeichet to contribute towards the mizbech, because at the end of the day, the motivation to be over the shem was a good motivation. It was denied them; they weren't kohenim, but it came from a place of wanting to miskarev, and that was something which was recognized. That was something which remained the coating, the, the so to speak, the visible layer of the mizbech. Those who wanted to do avodah even though they weren't allowed to. But in Yenayinu to finish, the option of Avinu is still open to us. We don't have Avodah's place in Mekdash. And therefore what made the Kohen unique isn't applicable so much today. But the idea of Avodah's Hashem, the Kedusha that a person can achieve, the greatness that he can aspire to, just like the level of Torah that which we would like to reach, that's all part of what's available to a person. That's the Kesser, the crown, which is waiting for anybody who wants to take it and wear it.